we're going to go to the Word of God today, and we're going to disciple ourselves some in the, in the area of faith. Now, remember, we've made some promises and covenants to each other that we're not going to be shamed. We're not going to get discouraged. We're not going to look at all the times that we've tried to use our faith and didn't really get the results that we wanted. Because the truth is, no matter what you've done in life, I, I, there's been times where I thought, man, my prayers weren't what they should have been, or, or my compassion wasn't what it should have been, or my love, or it could be anything, because we're always constantly growing. And so I want to encourage us, let's keep growing in our faith as well, and not get beat up and say, since, hey, since I don't think my faith has been doing what I thought it should be doing, I just quit. No, we don't quit. We're not quitters. We're not, we're a people, the Bible says, we put our hands to the plow and we keep going. We don't look back. We don't quit. We don't bail out. We keep going forward. So that's what we're going to do in faith as well. We're going to keep learning, 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 and applying. And faith is the currency of, of the kingdom. Remind you of that. Everything has a currency. Uh, in the United States, the U.S. dollars are currency, or you've got to have something that's acceptable, like gold or whatever, but it's usually the U.S. dollars. So you can't go to lunch and pay with marbles. You can't, you can't you know, go the, to the grocery store and pay with gravel. It, they want the U.S. dollar is the currency. The good news is that everything we have in the Lord, he already paid for it. So we're not, like, purchasing it. We're just receiving it from this kingdom that we live in. We're going to receive it from the kingdom. And the, the currency for that is, is faith. It's really not murmuring and complaining and griping and all those things. It's faith. So we want to use our faith. We've determined that we're going to fail forward, right? We, we, we learn and go forward. We, we make mistakes. We, we learn from those and we go forward. Uh, I mentioned Derek and I were talking, and there's something in this industry, agile thinking, and it's fail fast, learn quick. Fail fast, learn quick. Now, some people think, I don't want to fail fast. Yes, you do. Seriously. I mean, yes, it'd be great if you never failed, but in the reality we're in, you want to fail fast. In other words, it's better to learn what doesn't work in 18 minutes than it take 18 months to learn it. So you learn like that, and you just keep growing. But everything about our faith is moving us forward. It's not, you heard this, one step forward and three back. No, 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 no. We may take three forward and one back, and two forward and one back, but we keep moving forward. So the goal isn't anything in life not even just spiritual things, is we just keep learning and moving forward and developing and developing and developing. Now, we talked about something that was pretty eye-opening to some. Some of you, you've heard it years ago, but Jesus operated on planet Earth as a human being, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power. And then he went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. He went out and, and exercised this anointing that was on him from the Father, the Holy Spirit and power, which is exactly what Jesus said. Don't leave Jerusalem. Tarry there until you receive the gift the Father promised. What did the Father promise? The Holy Spirit. And you shall receive power. This is Acts. This is to us. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then they went out and were... were uh, went out doing good, and they were witnesses all over the globe because of that moment. Now, if that was a foreign idea to you, or you say, I don't know about that, that doesn't make sense, I've never heard that before. We got that out of the Bible, that's where we came up with the idea, so you can jot this down. If you don't have a notebook, there's some out there in the foyer. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and Acts 10, 37 through 38. And that message was, from October 29th, The Power of Faith. And if you don't want to hear the whole thing, but you missed that, go to that. Find that spot on that message. It's on our website, free of charge. You can go there and get that, and you can watch or listen to that teaching on Jesus operating as a human being, anointed by the Father. What, am I saying he wasn't God? No, I'm not saying that. The Bible says he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And, and the scripture in John 
the Gospel of John, chapter 1, shows it clearly. He is God, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But then it also tells he operated. He showed us how to operate on planet Earth, anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, again, you may say, I don't think I've always done that right. I haven't either. But guess what? We're growing. Disciples, as Gary mentioned, we're growing people. Disciples failed all the time. But you know what they did? They would ask questions. Why couldn't we? What happened? What's going on here? And then they would get answers. And then they would watch how Jesus did it. That'd be a good idea for us to go through the Gospels. Gary's going through Matthew and watch Jesus and go, oh, here's how he did it. And if you say, well, I tried it, but it didn't work. Well, what's the answer? Let's learn and grow and keep developing. So we found out that faith comes by hearing. Every, faith comes by what goes in these ear gates. Now, we're talking about spiritual things, so we're talking about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if you got some, uh, oh, some oh, areas where you feel like you're not enough, I imagine most of that came because somebody spoke that into your life, and you chose to believe it. You heard stuff, and negative stuff could build negative faith for negative things. We want to shake all that off, bring all that under the authority of Jesus, then grow in what the Word of God says, not what other people say. Now, I don't suggest you call people this, but the Bible actually says this, let God be true and every man a liar. So if somebody comes up and says, you ain't never going to make it, I mean, you can do it if you want to, but you could say, liar. No, <laughs> well, because God says you are going to make it. And so we want to believe what God says, not what somebody else says. If what they tell you doesn't line up with the word of God, pick God's word. So today we're going to look at overcoming hindrances to our faith. All of us need to grow in this. Gary mentioned it's a lifelong journey. We will draw our last breath growing in our faith. That's okay. So we're going to overcome hindrances to our faith. We're going to examine this guy named Abraham. It's just like five verses we're going to look at when it comes to Abraham. We'll look at a couple others. And these verses, man, they are, they are convicting. I go through these verses, I go, oh my goodness, Lord, I need help. You know, when I look at Abraham's faith and my faith, I need help. And so here, here's the story where Paul is writing to this uh, Gentile church of, in Rome they're not a Jew. I mean, there might be Jews in the church, but predominantly it's a Gentile church. Paul, who wrote most of the books of the New Testament, is, is incredibly, deeply Jewish. He was born Jewish. He's got a Jewish pedigree. He's got, he's got a pedigree that he actually could brag on. He says, you think you got something? I got more. He begins to list it. He says, you know what? It's all rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. But he has a pedigree. He's of uh, the tribe of Benjamin. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, you name it. He was zealous above his peers. He, he went after the Judaism. He was trained and taught by the, the finest leaders of the day. So he had all that going for him. So he's showing these Gentiles who weren't taught in all that. Let me give you some of the backstory of where our faith comes from. And so he's saying in Romans 4, verse 17, as it is written, and he's going to quote what God said, I have made you, speaking to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, every one of these verses could be worthy of a sermon series. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. God is so convinced that what he says is true that he never says, I'm going to, or someday I might, or we really hope this might happen. He said, Abraham, I have made you 
a father of many nations. Now, Abraham could have said, well, then where are my kids? You don't have a kid. You don't have a child. By the way, it's, it's even mind-boggling how you can be the father of many nations, but we'll see that. And so God speaks in the affirmative, I've done this. I've given you a name. Your name was not chosen by accident. He changed it from Abram to Abraham. Both actually have a, a meaning of exalted father. You're an exalted father. I'm an exalted father without a kid. That's what Abraham was. He said, he, Abraham, is our father in the sight of God. Now, he's talking to Gentiles, so not just Jewish people, but Abraham is our father, a father of faith for us Gentiles and Jews alike, in whom he, Abraham, believed. He believed in the God who gives life to the dead. Now, we're going to see in a moment that Abraham says, I was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead. But this applies not just to this story. He's telling it to the Gentiles, and it applies to everything in life. What's dead in your life? Well, I got a relationship that's dead. I got a, we even say this, I got a dead-end job. I got, I got this. What's dead? God wants to breathe some life into it. And so we serve a God who gives life to the dead. Does he physically do that too? Sure he does. We see that all throughout Scripture as well. He gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. I like how the King James says it. He calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, I'm not trying to split hairs here, but I do believe we ought to emulate God as best as we can. And so God is not someone who calls what is as though it isn't. He calls what isn't as though it is. Say, what? Huh? What? Okay. I've had the uh, occasion to be unemployed twice. It's not a fun place to be. When I was unemployed and getting behind in our bills, as hard as I worked Darlene, she couldn't keep up with it. I just said, so we're, we're, behind, we're getting behind. I've lost a job. Uh, and I did not say when I prayed, because we pray for employment, and then, like James says, faith without works is dead, so then we go to look for a job. You got that? It's not just I'll, I'll binge watch Netflix and why God brings me a job. I get out there and, and get at it. I never said this. I am not unemployed, and I'm not broke. I'm not unemployed, and I'm not broke. I'm not unemployed, and I'm not broke. Because that wouldn't have been true. I was unemployed, and I was broke. I think we were beyond broke. What's that, busted? I, we were, you know, past, like, the broke level. What God says is, I want you to call into existence what isn't. So I said, you know what? I am gainfully employed. I have more than enough. Now, somebody could say, well, that, isn't that just kind of psychology and maybe even new agey? No, it's Bible. God calls those things which be not as though they were. And so I say, I am, and by the way, when I challenge people and pray for people to have jobs, I pray for them not to have under, underemployment, not to have barely employment, but to have great employment. So you speak that. And I'm, I, I have all my needs met according to the riches of Christ Jesus. He is El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He, he, is, El, he is Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. So I'm confessing those things. I'm calling what isn't as though it is. I, I want to speak 
I want to speak into existence what I desire. For instance, God didn't say when he created, darkness be gone. What did he say? Let there be light. Light come. Light appear. So he, he calls what isn't as though it is. And so I want you to remember that as you just confess. And by the way, I'm not trying to be superstitious. I'm just saying, why don't we do it as best we can as God does it? God gives life to the dead and calls things that don't exist as though they do exist. So let's read on. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. I'm already blown away by Abraham. I just I haven't even made it through here. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. There are two kind of hopes that go on, and one is a natural hope. Natural hope is totally dependent upon circumstances. So if you are looking for a job and you get three emails that come back and say, hey, I think we might have a job opportunity for you, you feel hope arise because you got circumstantial evidence that things are moving in the right direction. If only three people reply and they say we're not interested in you at all, you feel hope be depleted. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but I do want to challenge you some. It doesn't say hope lost. Don't lose hope. It's hope deferred. Deferred means it's been delayed, but we need to believe hope's coming. And so there's a natural hope, but Abraham against all hope, in hope, believed. Well, what other kind of hope is there? Hope of the Holy Ghost. The scripture says this in the book of Romans. It says, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you want, as you trust in him, and may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is another power that energizes hope, and that's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brings hope. So when you feel like you're against all hope, the only thing I know to do is say, Holy Spirit, come. You're the source of real hope. Come, come, come. Help me, help me. And he will. So it says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so he became the father of many nations, just as has been said of him, so shall your offspring be. Here he is, blowing my mind again. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. See, we get scared of facts. I get it. I'm a human being too. Facts are information that can discourage us. They can drain us of hope. But Abraham somehow, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old. And Abraham, or Sarah's womb, was also dead for she was about 90 years old. When Abraham and Sarah were in their prime, they were not able to have children. So it seems a whole lot more unlikely that he at 100 and her at 90 were going to have a baby. But here, the Bible says about Abraham, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. I mean, I just feel like we need to give Abraham an applause, man. Like, man, are you kidding me? You did not waver through unbelief regarding what? The promise of God. The promise of God. 
regarding the promise of God. He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Regarding the promise of God. Hmm. It's a big deal if you're an exalted father that you have a child. It's a big deal if you're going to be the father of many nations, which that comes through faith, that you have a child. Now, without that, quite frankly, and it's kind of funny, but it's, I mean this, I really don't want to be 100 and have Darlene come to me at 90 and say, hey, just got a little surprise for you. We're going to have a baby. I'd say, I hope you mean like grandbaby or great-grandbaby, but no, we're going to have a baby. I'd be like, oh, man, that'd be like, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, that would be just, uh, but Abraham and Sarah, of course, it was, it was their lineage. It was the promises of God. It was all that. It says, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now, it doesn't say here how he was strengthened in his faith, but I'm going to make an assumption. I think it's a good one. I believe he confessed the promise of God. Yeah, but Abram, man, all this stuff's going against you. I get that, but I got a promise from God. Yeah, but Sarah couldn't have children when she was 30, man. Now she's 90. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? But I got a promise from God. I got a promise of God. God gave me a promise. He gave me a promise. And it says he, he strengthened himself in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Does God have power to do what he promised? He does. God has the power to do what he promised. He, you and I have overpromised ourselves before. God never has. You and I have probably taken an assignment where, hey, this needs to be done by Friday. I can get it done. Then we realize, oh, my goodness, I can get it done as long as I don't sleep or eat or do anything else, maybe. But God's never had that problem. He's never overpromised. Never, n- nothing ever came out of his mouth where he thought, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do that? He never has had that trouble. He didn't overpromise here. Abram believed, Abraham believed that God was able to do what he promised. That's how he strengthened himself in the Lord. That's how he gave glory to God. That's how he took authority over the facts. F- facts aren't bad. I mean, you may go to the doctor and the doctor gives you some facts. You may go to a, um, a financial planner and they may give you some facts. Darlene and I were in a financial planner. Well, actually, uh, when I fell dead over there and then our finances, where we operated in the black, now we're operating in the red, uh, we had to sit down with a bankruptcy attorney because it looked like there was no other choice. And uh, then we walked away, and then we met with him again. He was like, just do it, man. Why are you dilly-dallying around? Because something in our spirit was stirring, stirring and churning. And we left out there saying, I don't feel good about that. By the way, not beating up anybody who's gone through that. This was just our situation. And finally, and God supernaturally came through, and, and I want to say, just give glory to God, because you may have gone through something like that and said, well, I don't feel like God came through for me. Well, I, you know, let's rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. I don't have an answer why that happened, but it happened. And we were facing the facts. We weren't saying we're not in dire situation, but something was stirring in our heart, but God. Something was stirring in our heart that we felt we had a promise, and God supernaturally took care of all that. It, and to be a 
long story to tell you, but he took care of all of that, and totally by his divine hand, uh, not, by, not by the hand of man, but by the hand of God. So we need to get fully persuaded that God's able to do what he promised. He is. Now, Jesus has given us a little teaching here, and he says, a good man, now, by the way, that's not gender only. doesn't mean just the male gender. A good person, we could read that. A good person brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So you and I got stuff stored up in our hearts, according to Jesus. Good things or evil things. And then Jesus gives us a powerful word here. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Apparently, Abraham's heart was filled with the promise of God. That's a good discipleship plug. Filled with the promise of God, what God's word says. His heart was filled with what God said, not with what the facts were. Facts are interesting things, but I want to say this clearly, God is superior to the facts. We see that all throughout Scripture. The children of Israel left, left Egypt. Let me tell you the facts. Here's the fact. The facts is there's no way a group of slaves can beat the most powerful nation on planet Earth. But they did. They were broke and busted. They had nothing. And yet they left Egypt with the wealth of Egypt. They plundered Egypt without raising a sword or clenching a fist. And God caused the Egyptians to be favorably disposed to them, and they just started giving them gold and silver and clothing and, and food and, and supplies and materials. And it says they left Egypt. Not a feeble one was among them, probably a million-plus people. Not a feeble one among them. They all walked out on their own steam, and they left with the riches of Egypt. And the most powerful planet, or the most powerful force on planet Earth was defeated by a group of slaves because of God. The Egyptians had ten deities that God crushed with those plagues and showed there is a God in Israel. There is a God in his people. And he crushed all those and they left. They got to the sea and there were mountains on both sides and Pharaoh's dust cloud behind. And all there was was a sea. And God did something that violates the laws and facts of nature. He took a sea and parted it so that the water stood up like a wall on both sides, dried the ground, a wind blew all night, dried the ground, and they all walked through on dry land. Victorious on the other side. Now there are those who want to say, and, and uh, there's a little kidding remark, but it doesn't really matter. They'll say, well, that was just like the Sea of Reeds, and it's very small, and the water's very thin. Well, first of all, if there was six inches of water, for it to part and stand up on both sides of the ground to be dry and walk, walk through is still pretty miraculous to me if there's only six inches of water. But the miracle that many people will show is if that's the case, how did Pharaoh's army, what a miracle that they drowned in six inches of water. What a miracle that they... They all lost their lives coming after to recapture the Israelites in only six inches of water. I don't care how you spin the story. I'm telling you, God did something that's factually impossible. A guy lost an axe head one time. It fell into the, I think it was the river. And he said, oh my goodness, I hate this. It's borrowed. 
and the prophet spoke, and the axe head floated. Axe heads don't float. How do they float then? Because God has authority over all that, so his, his truth will overcome fact because he's in control of all of it. So the facts were, Abraham and Sarah should not ever be able to have a baby. The truth is, they did. How? By the promise of God. That's how they did, by the promise of God. So, Jesus says, what our mouth, our heart is full of, our mouth speaks. So what's stored up in your heart, good or evil? I doubt there's anyone here that says, well, I got all kinds of evil stored up in my heart. So we're going to look at what God sees as evil compared to what we think is evil. The children of Israel come through uh, out of Egypt. Uh, God has made a promise. He said this on multiple occasions. I'm bringing you into the land I'm giving you. I'm bringing you into the promised land. I'm bringing you into the land of Canaan. It's called the promised land because God promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob many years before. And so they're coming there. God is absolutely no question about it. said, this land is yours. I'm giving you the land. I'm fighting for you. All the things if you read the story. Now, they come to that land, and God tells Moses, get a, get a leader from each tribe, send out 12 spies to spy the land out, and their goal is just to get a feel for what's going on in the land. He wants them to naturally know, you know where the giants are, where the fortified cities are, where this is and where that is. And so they go out and do that. The 12 return. Listen to what it says. In Numbers 14, they, all this happened in Numbers 13. Numbers 14, it says, Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him, against Moses, by bringing a bad report of the land, those men who brought the, what kind of report? Evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. Now, if you'll read Numbers 13 and 14, you will read that actually they brought a factual report. These are the facts. It truly is a land that flows with milk and honey. Here's a cluster of grapes that will blow your mind of the fruitfulness of the land. There are giants in the land. There are fortified cities. There are this. There's that. Where the report became evil is they shifted from facts, this is a factual report, to we can't. See, first of all, God did not send them out to determine whether he was able to take them into the land. He didn't send them out for them to pass judgment on what God or could or could not do. He sent them out to just get the lay of the land. When they came back and said, we can't, what they're actually saying, even on a deeper level, is God can't. Because God said, I will give you this land. I will go before you. I will, I will, I will. And they said, we can't. Therefore, we're saying the God who said we can is not telling the truth, and he's not able. And God said that was an evil report. Why did they say that? Because I believe that was what was in their heart. God's not able. But there were two guys. There was Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb... It says this in Numbers 13, 30, and Caleb quieted the people before Moses because they were complaining and whining and griping and murmuring. He said, quiet down. Stop, 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 stop. And then Caleb said this. He said, let us go up at once and possess the land. 
for we are well able to overcome it. Why, why did Caleb see things differently? Because what was stored up in his heart was our God is able. Our God can do it. And he can use us. And I think it's in, in Numbers, uh, the previous chapter, where Joshua says, yeah, if we have favor with God, we can do this. God will go before us. He'll fight the fight. They'll be like bread before us. What does that mean? This is, I'm serious. This is what's how we would say that today. Joshua said, we will eat their lunch. They're like bread before us that we will devour because God is with us. God has made us able. We can do it because of God. Well, guess what? Only two people got to see that land. Joshua and Caleb. Because they believed. And, and old Caleb, he's like 80 years old, and he says, Joshua, you were there when Moses promised me this mountain land. First of all, when I'm 80, I don't want the mountain. You know, I want the nice, nice level stuff. He says, give me that mountain. And, well, Caleb, there's giants in that land. That's fine. I don't care. I'm as strong as when I was 40 years old. I can swing my sword all day long. My eye is not dim. My strength hasn't abated. I'll take that mountain. I'll take those giants. Joshua said, go do it, brother, because he believed what was in his heart came out of his mouth. That land was promised to him, and he's going to go take that land. Mm. God is able. Joshua and Caleb had good treasure stored up in their heart. And so they spoke that good treasure that we were more than able. And they did. They conquered that land. Here's something that's so important. I want you to get it. I know no one has faded out, but if you started to fade out, please get this. Our mouth is vital to our victory. Our mouth is vital to our victory. Where'd you get that idea, Tracy? From the Bible. From the Bible. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they who love it shall eat its fruit. I want to love my tongue. I want to, I want to say things. The saying in our culture is you're going to eat your words. Okay? Then make sure they're good. You will be more than happy to eat your words if what comes out of your mouth is good stuff. The promises of God. You're going to eat your words. Yes, I am. I sure am. I'm going to eat my words. James says that our tongue sets, on, sets our whole life on fire and sends it on a certain course. Well, I want it to be on fire by God, not on fire by the devil. So we get our tongue on fire for the Lord and it sets the whole course of our life. Our tongue. It's very important. I think it was last week, Jesus said it the week before, if you say, if you say, if you say, this will happen if you say. So, if you ever prayed at an altar or prayed with a friend, this can happen sometimes. We've probably all done it, so before we beat somebody up and get mad at them or belittle them, let's realize we've probably all done it. But guess what we're doing? We're growing. We're going to change. We're going to stop this. Somebody comes up and says, hey, pray for me because I had a situation just like Tracy was talking about. I've lost a job. I'm running behind my bills. I need prayer. I need good employment. I need money. I need this. I need help. Please pray, pray, pray. So the altar ministry team prays for them. Maybe you pray for somebody like that at dinner, work, or school, or wherever, and you get done praying, and they say, oh, thank you so much for that prayer. I so appreciate that. But, you know, I'm just one of those people that just can't find a job. I mean, every time I go to get a job, somebody beats me to the job. I guess I'm just destined to never have a good job and to go belly up and never have enough. What, what just happened? 
they felt really good about your kindness towards them and how much you loved them and appreciated to pray for them, but they just negated every, because out of their heart, they got to change what's in here, hold it. But my God is able. My God is able. I can't tell you how many times I'm thinking of, of our brother Wayne. Wayne Frave would tell me, I've always been overemployed. He said, it seemed like everywhere I got, God promoted me beyond what I was capable of doing and paid me beyond what I was capable of doing. Now, I figured out how to do it. He's a very intelligent man. Don't get me wrong. He figured out how to do it. But it's kind of funny when you find yourself someplace go, I'm not really qualified for this. How did I get this promotion? But God, God is able. Let me tell you a little country secret. If you ever find a turtle on a stump, you know what that tells you? Somebody put him there. He didn't crawl up there himself. Somebody put him there. So if you look at yourself and say, I feel like I'm a turtle on a stump, just say, praise God, God put me here. God puts you there. He promotes you. He raises you up. And then he makes you more than able. You're able. So your mouth and my mouth, I'm talking to me too, is vital to our victory. Now, one thing I want to say, don't get superstitious. Because I've seen people, they've held a confession of faith and trusted God and prayed and believed and spoke the word and had a down moment where they say, oh, I just don't think this thing's ever going to work. Somebody would tell them, well, you lost it all. Your last three months of confession's all gone. If you'll follow Abraham and Sarah, they were given, I forget, I should have studied it out. It's like 20 years from the promise till they received. And there was a time where they laughed. They laughed at what they were told. And God didn't say, well, that's it. You're, you're never going to get it now. How dare you? You laughed. You're not going to get it. No, they, they refocused and went back after the promise of God, and they received. How did they become the father of many nations? It isn't really my teaching, but I want you to know this, because people, Abraham's the father of faith. He believed God. This is how we get born again. I love talking about being born again. He believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now, guess what? Jesus hasn't come yet. The uh, salvation message isn't there, but he's got a handle on this thing. It comes through faith. And that's what God or Paul's teaching the Romans. It comes through faith. So all of a sudden, this, our father Abraham, who's a father of faith, now pretty soon, every people group on planet Earth just about. We still got some more to reach. But the ones we have reached, you can go to those people groups, and there's people who believed in the Lord Jesus, and they're born again because Abraham taught us the path of faith, taught us to believe God. And as we believe God in Christ, it's credited to us as righteousness. So now, you can name any people group on these. They, they all started because of Father Abraham. He is now the father of many nations on planet Earth. So, here's what we do. Here's how we overcome our hindrances. First, we strengthen our faith in God's promises. We get the word in us. We chew on the word. We meditate on the word. We let the word blow our minds sometimes. We decide we're going to believe the word over how we feel, and we keep the word in us. We store up God's word in our heart. Psalm 119 says, Your word have I hidden in my heart. Your word have I hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. And so we store up his word in our heart. By the way, you don't get it all done in one day. It is a lifetime. So you say, well, I wish I would have started on this 20 years ago. Well, you don't have that opportunity. You start today. And you just rejoice that you're starting today. Then you speak and confess God's word. Speak and confess God's word over and over and over. Just keep 
talking God's word, not your feelings, God's word, and then you don't give up trusting in the Lord. You just don't give up. I say this with regularity. Well, what if I do it till the day I die? Then great, you step into God's presence in faith. Trusting him, believing him, talking his word, you step into his presence like that. I'm not trying to discourage you, but God's always not in a hurry either. Look at Joseph. You read his story. I forget how many years passed from the moment that he was given this vision to where it manifests. You look at David. He's anointed king, and I forget how many years it went by till he actually was king. You look at Abraham and Sarah. Maybe one of our prayers is, Lord, please don't let it take 20 years. But you know what? Whatever it is, it is. God's on it. And if you look at each one of those things, from hindsight, you see God's wisdom and what all he did through that, which is, blows your mind. But we just keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on praying, keep on hoping. Let's pray together.